If you have a Bible, grab it and go to uh, Luke chapter 12. Uh, Luke 12 is where we're going to spend our time together this morning. I'm Dustin Willis, and uh, I get the honor of serving here as an elder. Um, And anytime I get to open up the scriptures with you guys, uh, it is definitely a joy. Um, So let me get this out of the way. We're going to talk about money today. Uh, Like, really practically, we're going to talk about money today. Uh, I serve as an elder here, and uh, I get paid zero dollars. So that is the reason I'm talking about it, and the guys that get paid are not. <laughs> um, I, uh, I think the, the subject of money can be an interesting one. I think it can be fun. Uh, the good news is, is you guys, I mean, I guess technically can't fire me. Uh, you could remove me from leadership, but um, money is, uh, it gets after the heart, and I think that's what we'll see. Um, oftentimes, like, ah, oh, it's just such a practical, worldly thing. But Jesus talks about it a lot. And so we're, we're going to talk about it today. And so if you're a guest with us, we don't talk about money every week. Um, so if you were hoping for something different, come back next week. We'll, we'll talk about money part two. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but we are. We're launching a new series today called Cultivate. And um, anytime we kick off a new series, I think we need to think it's important to do a little work up front to introduce the concept, to introduce the heart behind the reason that we're walking through this idea as a church family. Uh, The word cultivate uh, is ultimately derived from a Latin verb, colere, which means to till, uh, to toil over, to take care of. Um, It's actually where we even get the word to worship, the phrase to worship from. So worshiping is actually a part of cultivating. It's tilling the land and our relationship and our intimacy with Jesus. Um, it's, taking, it is, uh, it's taking actions in order to see something grow. I think that one of the greatest desires that we have as people, that we have as humans, is to cultivate in order to grow, to change. Like we desire that. I think this happens from an early age. I'll never forget my daughter, Piper. She's 10 now. But when she was two, um, we taught her finally, she got the whole concept of taking a spoon and feeding herself, right? How many of you, just out of curiosity, have kids? Raise your hand. Okay, cool. We're not. Let's do that one more time. I saw like this. How many of you have kids? Okay, cool. All right. The, uh, I don't know if y'all remember this with your kids or how old your kids are, but I remember with her, us teaching her that, and she so wanted to be able to do it right. She would get mad when she couldn't get it right. But once she could actually do it on her own, every once in a while she'd be doing it a little bit sloppy or whatever, and I'd go in to help her. She would push my hand away and point me towards timeout. Truth. No, I'm serious. Like, that's not an exaggeration, not a hyperbole, not preacher speak. It, she would point me to time out because she's like, I'm doing this because it was in her. Like, I want to grow. I want to I do this myself. I'm motivated to make this happen. I, she, she's hilarious, by the way. She's, uh, my wife, Rainey, and Piper are in uh, Princeton, Princeton, New Jersey this weekend. She's playing in a lacrosse tournament. Yes, she's 10. Yes, we paid money for her to go do that. We'll talk about all that in a minute, okay? Um, so I'll attack my, my uh, idols in a minute. But uh, I told her, because Rainey gets to go with her a good bit to these tournaments, because apparently if you need to play teams that are good, you have to go to the Northeast to play. I think it's just a money scheme. But, um, they, uh, they're up there, but on, I talked to Piper. I was like, Piper, I can, 
dad wants, let me go on this one with you. Like, we'll go. She's like, ah. I don't really know if you know what to do. Like, know what to do. Like, I travel for a living often. Like, I can get through the airport. Ah, I don't know, dad. Oh. So, um, and one of the things we do with our kids now when we do travel, I traveled with my son. We did a, he, he turned 13 this year. And so we, that's kind of a marker. So we, he and I did father-son trip. Um, last weekend, we went up to Chicago, did a bunch of fun stuff there, went to the Notre Dame Clemson game. Let's not talk about that. Uh, it was a great opportunity to talk about humility and those kind of things with your 13-year-old. But one of the things we do with our kids is even when we travel, we've started making them, like, take us to the airport. Like, you figure it out. This is what the app says. This were, and so they're because they and they want to. They're like, no, 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 don't tell me. I will figure it out. I think that's in all of us. This this idea of growing, shaping um, that we desire. And, and with my daughter, by the way, with her like spoon and pushing my hand away and pointing the time out. I'm like, what in the like? You get lost in your room. Like, chill out. Like, I can help you with like you doing the whole spoon thing. But it's in us. We want to grow. We want to advance. Um, we do. Like we. We want to move forward. We want to know more. We want to be stronger. We want to be faster. We want to be healthier. We desire that. And our walk with Jesus is not much different than that, right? I mean, y'all, I desperately want to know Jesus more. I, I want to know more of who he is, what he's done, what he's up to, what he's doing, what he desires you and I to do. I want to grow in my knowledge and my understanding of the way of Jesus. Like, don't you? I mean, otherwise, be honest, why, why, there, there are better clubs to show up to on a Sunday. Why are we here? Like, why do we go to small group? What's the point? What's the point is, I hope in our heart of hearts, we want to grow. We want to cultivate our relationship with Jesus. But here's, and here's what I love about the gospel. God does all the work to save people through his grace. But yet he then gives us the Holy Spirit and allows us, with the power of the Holy Spirit, to join in this transformation, this cultivation process. Cultivating and training our hearts to be more like our Savior, Jesus. Cultivating is how it happens. So, I want to look at this before we get to Luke chapter 12. 1 Timothy 4, 7-8, just as a way of kind of setting this up. It says, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, Train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Here's that idea. Train yourself to be godly. This is the value. This is the idea that this series is all about. Cultivate it. Till it. Grow it. Train yourself. But, But here is the tension I feel and often observe about Christianity, and just to be honest, in my own life. I, especially in a Western culture in, in the U.S., the vast majority of Christians are incredibly lazy when it comes to cultivating their own soul. I am. Are you? And this isn't like a guilt sermon where you like walk out going, oh man, I just feel bad. Go to another church where they make you feel warm and fuzzy. Like, this isn't about feeling bad. This is like, let the Holy Spirit convict and let God, like, it is his kindness that's going to lead us to repentance. He wants good for you. Donald Whitney 
says it like this. He said, the undisciplined, okay, so that's kind of the lazy, are like a man looking for gold. Okay, so I want you to put yourself in the story. You're going to look for gold. And you are enduring a sales pitch from a gold mine promoter. This is what he says. The salesman was praising the productivity of the mine in hopes of persuading the man to buy shares in it. Why? This mine is so rich you can pick up chunks of gold from the ground. You don't even have to dig for it. But do you mean I'd have to bend down and pick up the gold? Godliness is the gold of loving God, finding infinite, unending love, joy, peace in him. Of course, bend down and pick it up. Like, if you had any idea how good it is, we are, I I am too easily pleased. Godliness is available, and we're not willing to bend down and pick it up. We're not willing to allow and take the practices and put them into play that cultivate that in us. And here's what's mind-blowing. What we're talking about here is for our own good. Like, your deepest joy is found as you grow to be more like Jesus. Your ability to handle life's hardest problems is found as you press deeper into the person of Jesus. We're talking about gold here. Ultimately, what is God's desire for you and me, for us, for this church? It's to cultivate our hearts to be like Jesus so we can glorify him. And when you look at the values of Jesus, like you look at the life, the way Jesus lived, there are so many ideals and actions that we could spend our time talking about. But, but I do want us just to land on one this morning. At the core of the way of Jesus is the value of generosity. At the core of the way of Jesus is the value of generosity. Think about it. He, he's generous with mercy. He's generous with grace. He's generous with his provisions. He's generous with salvation. He's, he's generous. And his calling on your life and my life is that we would be people who cultivate in ourselves through the power of the Holy Spirit that same generosity. Let me just say this. You don't drift towards generosity. Does that make sense? Like you don't just wake up and all of a sudden you're like, I just, I don't know what happened. I just started giving everything away. You don't, that is not a thing that you're like just all of a sudden wake up one day and find yourself in it. You don't drift towards generosity. It must be an intentional, planned pursuit. Just like you don't drift towards godliness. You're not all of a sudden like, I just feel more godly. No, there were practices that God put in your life to cultivate that godliness, and his Holy Spirit miraculously works in that. So, so for just a few minutes, I want us to talk and hear and listen to Jesus. He's on this journey with his disciples, and in this, I think if we hear him for what he is saying to our hearts, it might just cultivate a radical generosity into our lives and into this church. I believe that. So Luke 12, let me give you a little bit of context and then we'll jump into the specific verses. The text is uh, situated on this long journey to Jerusalem. 
that Jesus makes with his disciples. Luke 9, uh, 51 says uh, that he set his face to go to Jerusalem. Uh, it, it's finding a place among a significant collection. This, this is a whole significant collection of amazing teachings of Jesus that you'll find in Luke 11 through uh, Luke chapter 11 through chapter 14. Like go, if you want to, I want to walk in the way of Jesus, dig into those chapters, look at the way he's teaching as the disciples walk with him. Jesus was uh, a masterful teacher, often walking, picking out things that were in culture to explain a big truth that was going on. He was masterful at this. Uh, you see this in Luke eleven thirty three. He talks about a light and a lamp. In verse 34 of chapter 11, he talks about an eye and a body, a cup and a dish in verse 39. Then he goes on to talk about mint and rue and herbs of all kinds. You can imagine him walking through maybe a market as he's explaining these things, walking in the countryside as he's explaining. In Luke 12, he's talking about the ravens and the birds and the lilies and the grass. And these things together contribute to this segment of teaching in the Gospel of Luke that I think is profound to how we live today. And so in Luke 12, Jesus and his disciples, at this point, now they're among a large crowd. It says thousands. And he is teaching his disciples as they go about their way, which I love that. There's a whole thing on discipleship there for another sermon for another time. And people began, as they do with Jesus, to ask questions or to make statements to him and seeing what he might say. So one man says this, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus, as he often did, he taught this man by communicating in a way that would make sense. He spoke in a parable. Now, city students, I love this. Recently in city students, I point because they, they meet back there. Uh, city students has been talking through parables each week. Uh, and I love that. I love that they've been doing that. And the way, way I know that is I have a 13-year-old who's a part of that. And I'm talking to Jack. He's like, what did y'all learn today? Oh, we learned a parable. I was like, oh, that's cool. He's like, Dad, you know a parable is uh, simply an earthly story with a heavenly meaning? And I'm like, where did you get that? And he's like, Mr. Joe. Joe Outlaw is one of our elders. And I love that, I mean, Joe's kids are all grown out of college, got their own families. And yet Joe's back there teaching my son the Bible. And he's going, this is what a parable is. So a parable this is what Jesus is teaching in. As Joe would say to our students, a parable is simply an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And so Jesus goes back to teaching his disciples in this moment, and he starts talking to them about something that I think a lot of us deal with, worry and anxiety, which makes sense, right? He just got a question or a statement about inheritance, and he starts talking about worry and anxiety. Those work really well together, right? Like if you all of a sudden start thinking about your retirement, I mean, how's your retirement done this year? Mine's down 22%. And I'm not going to look for a while. <laughs> that, that can create worry and anxiety. Jesus was, sometimes we, we think that he was just like, like this Jesus of the 70s, right? Like, yeah, man, peace, love. Like, he was all about peace and love. But he was super practical in his teaching. So somebody's talking about worry and anxiety, or they're talking about inheritance and their money, and so he's like, let's get to the heart of this. What about your worry and anxiety? And he teaches on it. So he gets to this, the end of this encouragement to them about how to deal with worry and anxiety, and he says something that 
I think it's so profound that if we take it to heart and begin to apply it, it will cultivate in us his heart of generosity. I want to actually work through this passage a little bit differently. I struggled with this all week in preparation. So I'm going to actually teach this passage backwards, um, if that's okay. I want to start with the end in mind. I want to show you essentially this thesis of Jesus' teaching here from the outset. So we're going to start in verse 34. So 1 Timothy, or excuse me, Luke chapter 12, verse 34. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. So how do you know what your heart's for? Like, let's just be, let's just think for a little bit. Don't drift off. We're talking about money and you're like, uh, what's for lunch? Like, let's, what is your heart for? If you want to actually know what your heart's into, if you want to really know what your heart cares about, if you want objective, real evidence that proves what you and I love, Jesus makes it really practical. Here's essentially what he says. Look at your bank statement. Open up your phone, go to your app, scroll, look. You're like, I'm old school. That's fine. Go look at your checkbook. Some of you are like, what is that? Don't worry about it. You can ask Sean afterwards. Um, <laughs> it's, it's the idea of if you can just scroll through and look where you spend your money, it'll often tell you what you really care about. Not what you think you care about or what you wish you cared about, but what you really, truly, actually care about. Say it this way. Money naturally flows towards what your heart cares about. Money naturally flows towards what your heart cares about. I want you to write something down right now, all right? That, like, this is like crowd participation moment, class is in, session. I want you to write something down. I want you to write down something that you know that you spend too much money on. And if you're looking at me, that means you're not writing. Just throwing that out there. And if you're like, I don't have a pen, open your phone. I'm okay with that. Pull out the notes, text it to yourself. Just write something down that you know you spend too much money on. Now, if you're sitting there going, oh, I'm not really sure, let me help you. I'll throw out some things for me. Like, if you're thinking, hey, are you the expert that has it all figured out? I think y'all know that's really clear. I do not. Nothing like preaching a sermon and I'm going on vacation tomorrow. <laughs> like, ugh, should I even do this? Should it be a mission trip? Um... Coffee. Going on vacation with a, two other couples, and they were like, oh, we can just find coffee there. I'm like, oh, heck no. I'm a coffee snob. Like, so no, what did I do? I went and bought really expensive coffee. Coffee. Haircut. Y'all are like, what? Haircuts can cost, not this one. <laughs> this, one's, this one's called uh, three, two on the sides, do it myself. Um, <laughs> And y'all are looking going, yeah, you do. <laughs> I, when, I, when I first got married, my wife, I, I looked at the statement. I was like, a haircut costs what? I have never heard of such things. Like, it was insane. Now, I'm not against her haircut. She looks beautiful. But I'm just, I'm just throwing some stuff out there. What about shoes? Purses, jackets, kids' travel sports, in case you weren't 
wondering if I wasn't going to talk about myself a little bit here. Vacations, golf, football tickets. Is your mortgage a little higher? Not than what you want, but is it a little higher than what it should have been? Think about the things that bring you comfort. There's certain things in that way that you spend a little bit too much money on. Bourbon collection. I don't know what it might be. But is there part of your heart that is wrapped up in whatever that thing is? Is there part of your heart that is wrapped up in whatever that thing is? You're like, I just wrote down, I have like 37 subscriptions to TV things. Like, I needed YouTube TV live and Hulu live. And for crying out loud, Yellowstone's coming out tonight. Like, I need Paramount now, again. I bought it this morning. Um, (laughs) And if you're thinking to yourself, that is not a godly show, you are 100% correct. Um, That's why I'm not on staff. Uh, (laughs) um, But when you look at all these things, this stuff, where we put our money, it's just practically asking, is there part of your heart that's wrapped up in those things? Uh, Andrew Murray said it this way. He wrote the book Humility, which is an incredible read. And by the way, you're a really brave person if you write a book called Humility. Uh, he said this, the world asks, what does a man own? Christ asks, how does he use it? So here's my point. I'm not saying those things are bad. Like if I come to your house and you have bad coffee, I'm upset at you. So I'm not saying that having good coffee is a bad thing. I'm just asking you to ask yourself, to ask the Holy Spirit to cultivate in you a right heart. Do those things, that stuff, those comforts, that house, those shoes, that next thing, do those own you? Do those sit on the throne of your heart? Do those sit on the throne of my heart? Does my kid's success in sports as a 10-year-old and a 13-year-old, does that sit on Dustin's heart? The answer to that is maybe. I'm working through it. Is kids playing sports bad? No. But if it moves to a place that it sits on the throne of your heart, it's a good thing that's become a God thing, and that makes it a bad thing. Kids playing sports isn't bad. It's a good thing. But if I put it on the throne of my heart, ugh. If you put comfort on the throne of your heart, if you put the appearance that you make to friends by what you drive or what you have. I bought a new car for the first time my entire life this past August. And I'll be honest, it's, I live in a different world now. I do. When I pull up and, like used to, I drove a clunker, okay? Like, it was like, are we making it there? I don't know, we'll see. Um, like, I had to travel with oil in the back of the car. And a lot of you are like, I don't understand what that means. Like, it would just run out of oil, and I would have to go pour it in. But I got a new car, and I get treated differently. I pull up to a stop sign, and I got there a little bit after that person, but they see what I drive now, and they're like, go ahead. I'm like, you're dang right. I'm going. No one ever used to let me out. You know, like you're in the parking lot, and you're just sitting there, and you're like, somebody let me out. I mean, even here at church. Like, we're supposed to be Christians. And I'm like trying to get out of here in my old Explorer that was beat up, and you guys are like not even looking at him. Now in my car, you're like, go ahead. And I like the status of that. I'm going to be honest. 
I like that I'm like, people like look at, like yesterday, I'm at the grocery store. And a guy's like, man, love your car. I'm like, thanks, man. Thanks. He's like, love the color. I was like, yeah. Prayed through that. No, I didn't. (laughs) Is it bad to have a nice car? I don't know. Maybe it is for you. Maybe it is for me. Not necessarily. But it's motivation. It's heart. Or look at it this way. Let me, let's look at it this way. What are the things that you say that you care about, that I say I care about, but we don't do anything financially about it? Man, I can't, I can't. I, like, you're watching the news and you see something, you're like, man, that breaks my heart. Do you do anything about it? So does it really break your heart? Or when you look and you go, that people group doesn't have the gospel. They don't have the scriptures in their language. Do, do you do anything about it? Oh, we got a lot of refugees that, refugees that live over in Clarkson. Man, and it's tough. And do, do you do anything about it? Like, do you give faith? Like, I'll, I'll just go for this. Again, I, I'm the one that can talk about this a little more freely. Like, do we just show up here and it's kind of like a club membership, like country club or whatever membership, but yet we don't really even give financially here? I love the local church. Do you? Do I? I'm not talking about just like, oh, let's throw 20 in this week. Oh, do 150. I'm talking about like, look at your budget, plan out what you're giving, how you're going to be generous. Because you don't drift towards being generous. You have to be intentional. It has to be an intentional pursuit of your heart. Thank you. Oh, man, I, widows, orphans, I read that, James 1, 26, 27. I want to do something. Man, I really break. If I go and I, you were to open your app on your phone and let me look at where you spend your money, or you go to my app and look and see where I spend my money, does anything in that reflect the things that we say we care about? Because Jesus doesn't care about your money. He cares about your heart. Money just happens to be the great indicator. That's what he's saying here. So if Jesus is actually telling the truth here, if our money very naturally flows towards what we care about, it's a heart issue. Money is a heart issue always. They, money and heart are inextricably linked. If you want to know where your heart is, just open up your bank account and start looking. Or flip it this way. Put your money somewhere and watch your heart actually follow it. I think that's the cultivation practice that needs to maybe happen for some of us. You know what I'm saying? Like, put your money into, like, put it in your budget to, I'm going to give to the local church. By the way, I just want you all to know this. I'm not saying this because it's like, it's like we went on an elder retreat and it was like, Man, we're struggling financially. All right, Dustin, get up there and manipulate some passage for him. No, we're doing fine financially. Like, honestly, as a church, we're, we're really blessed. This isn't about that. This is about our hearts. It's about my heart. Give to the local church and watch God, what God does to your heart for the people within the church. 
Give to a global missions cause and watch what God does in your heart towards that cause. How can we move our money to where God's heart is so that our hearts will be there also? Let me say that one more time. How can you, I'm saying practically, like don't be lazy about this. Pick up the gold that's here for us to look at your budget and figure out a way to put it towards the things that God has a heart for and watch what God will begin to do and cultivate in your heart. End of the day, it's not yours anyways, right? Like when I was in high school, I remember my dad gave me a car to drive. And when people said, oh, what's that? I'd say, that's what? My car. It's my car. Did I buy it? Nope. I did not. 1987 Chevrolet Blazer, 2.5 liter engine. It could barely get up some of my friend's driveways. But at the end of the day, it got me from point A to point B, unless point B was at the top of a hill. But otherwise, it got me, it kind of got me there. But people would ask me, man, is that your car? Yeah, that's my car. That wasn't my car. That was my dad's car. But he, my dad gave me that car to steward it. What you have is not yours. God gave it to you for you to steward. For some, it's a lot more. For some, it's a lot less. For some, it's right in the middle. But let's just be honest, we're all in Alpharetta, so it's pretty dang good what he gave us. You realize we live in like the wealthiest place on planet Earth. Legitimately, we're like in the top. We're like in the top. Like I was in downtown Alpharetta yesterday with my son. We were walking around downtown Alpharetta. I'm like, we live in utopia. This is ridiculous. Like where I grew up, I can't even tell my friends I live here. It's crazy where we live. But God has given us these resources, not because they're ours, but he's just said, here, steward it. I'm going to give it to you. And why would he do that? Because he's rigged the whole system. He gives it to you because he's trying to work on your heart. And it wouldn't be a city church service without quoting Tim Keller. So a lack of generosity refuses to acknowledge that your assets are not really yours but God's. All right, so going back to the text, this insight from Jesus that our hearts naturally go where our money goes, that our money naturally exposes where our hearts are moving. This thought is Jesus' conceptual conclusion to two very practical ideas. I told you I'm teaching it backwards. So now look at verse 33. Look at verse 33. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted. Where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. So I'm going to give you two very practical things here that Jesus gives us. These are much easier said than done. The first one is this. Live generously. Live generously. It says, sell your possessions, give it to the poor. Invest your money in something of eternal value instead of something that is temporary. Jesus is basically saying, hey, there are eternal things worth giving your money towards and ultimately worth giving your hearts towards because your treasure is there. Y'all realize we, most of us here live in excess, right? We live in excess, 
I mean, I work in nonprofit world and I totally live in excess. You may not see it at first glance, but there's, there's a really simple money wisdom principle at work here. You can tell your money where to go or you can wonder where your money went. You can tell your money where to go or you can wonder where your money went. Super practically, at the end of the month, you either told your money where to go and you look and you look back and you can rejoice and say, the things I intended to buy are the things I bought. Or you can not tell your money where to go and get at the end of the month and you'll be wondering, what happened? I'll be honest, just being vulnerable, that last few months as a family, as the Lord would have it, I'm teaching on money today, and the last few months has kind of been one of those where, like, where is it going? And we tend to live by a very strict budget. My wife told me the other day, she was like, I need QuickBooks. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, she's, if, like I will go to QT and spend $1.26. And she will be like, what was $1.26 on? Like, it was QT. I have no idea. It was something at the counter that I knew I didn't need, but it was like, but it's $1.26. I need to know because it's got to go in a category. I'm like, uh, do we have a stuff cat? No, we don't have a stuff category. Okay. Uh, huh. Sunflower seeds. Is that a category? No? All right. And yet, even in the strict budget world that I tend to live in with my wife, which is great, because she, you, know, you, know, you know what her mindset is? Because I, by the way, in the first part of our marriage, I was in charge of our budget. We saved nothing. She's in charge of our budget now, and it's like, oh, my God, we, we get to be as generous as we've ever been in our entire lives. Like, praise God. You know what that means? She's allowed God to cultivate her, to the, her heart to the point that budget actually matters because she understands it's not her 1987 Chevrolet Blazer. It's her father's. He just gave it to her to steward. She stewards it well. And yet even in all that, there's times where I'm like, where did it go? How on earth did I waste my money on all of that? Right here, Jesus is applying that wisdom principle to an eternal perspective. At the end of your life, when you were sitting with Jesus in heaven, Are you going to look around and go, wow, I'm so glad I spent all that money at Amazon. (laughs) And again, I'm not trying to get legalistic here. I'm just trying to to give it real life examples. I don't know about you, but um, one day, I've never got to meet him, but uh, we have a little boy. He's not a little boy anymore. He's about to graduate high school uh, that we sponsor through Compassion International. And we have for his whole life, essentially. I look forward to the day that I'm in heaven and I can see him. Like, I look forward to the things that we, causes that we give to to get the gospel to the places it's not. I love, look forward to, and you probably are part of these things too, where the scriptures aren't in certain languages. So, like, let's, let's, let's give to illumination so that the scriptures can get into people's heart language that they can hear it and understand it. One, one day, it'll be awesome as we're in heaven here in every tribe, tongue, and nation. Proclaiming. But the car I just bought won't be there. (laughs) All right, picture this for a minute. Imagine going to a store to buy something. I'm telling you to imagine that because we don't do that anymore. (laughs) We just go on our computer (laughs) or our phone. 
They made it so easy, right? Like on my phone too, there's like this one little cut through now on your, with Amazon and it automatically, with one button, like it's insane. But let's just imagine we actually go to a physical store. I know that's weird, but we're going. And you go to the physical store. You walk into this physical store and let's just say the store is Amazon. Wow, it's an Amazon physical store. So all the things you can find, search up and find, it's there. And you go around and you just fill up carts full and you push them all the way to the front. You know, imagine this. Some of you are like, this sounds really good. That says a lot about your heart and mine because I'm getting excited too. I'm like, I didn't need that, but Amazon popped up and thought I did. And I was like, yes, yes, Amazon, I agree. Bye now. Um, And you get at the physical store, you get to the end and you go to the checkout and they're like, all right, thanks. You can leave it here. You're like, no, 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 I'm taking it outside the store. They're like, you can't do that can't take it outside the store. You're like, what? Um, that's what this passage is talking about. Because all that stuff in the store, moths will eventually destroy it. When you get to heaven one day, all, that, all the stuff doesn't come with you. It stays in the store. It stays here on physical earth. C.S. Lewis says it this way, I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. Now, let me just say this when it comes to living generously. I think, I think you ought to plan this. I think generosity ought to be in your budget. I think you ought to look at it. Um, I think you ought to at least tithe. Now, when I say that, there's people who are like, well, that's really an Old Testament principle. Let me just say this, and, I, and I'm just being honest. Again, y'all can fire me. Um, everybody that I've ever met with and talked about the principle of tithing, and they're like, oh, that's an Old Testament thing, none of them are generous. None of them are generous people. So they take what they think is a theological argument to try to win when it's like, because here's, because it's like, well, the New Testament doesn't really say it that way. No, that's what's scary. You probably want a tithing principle in your life because if you go with the New Testament principle of Jesus, it's way more. Like everything you see in the Old Testament, Jesus, you know what he does? He takes it and it's like, "Mm, let's go up a couple notches. Like Old Testament says, no infidelity. New Testament says, don't even think about it. Old Testament says, don't murder anyone. New Testament says, don't even have hate in your heart towards someone because that's just like murdering. Old Testament says, tithe. New Testament says, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Right? Like, let's not think that that's like, well, Jesus is just speaking in hyperboles. No, he's not. We see this lived out in the early church. You can go to Acts chapter two and watch this happen. Back in the day when I was a pastor before I quit that world, um, I, uh, I taught this passage. Actually, I didn't. Someone else taught it in our church. It said, sell your possessions and give to the poor. They taught that passage. And there were a group of college girls who were in a small group together. They were sophomores in college. So you're talking 19, 20 years old. They had a girl in their small group who was an international student uh, from, that was from Africa specifically. And she didn't have a lot of money. And they had to 
create a system to pick her up to get her to her classes because she couldn't live close to the campus because she didn't have enough money to afford the housing that was close to the campus. So they had to go and get her from the place that she lived. And they had this whole system. They've been doing it for a long time. And then this passage was taught and they took Jesus's word seriously. So they gathered all their stuff, their designer jeans, their things, these nice shoes, everything. And they went on, I don't know, like Poshmark or something like that. And they sold it all. They actually sold their stuff and then the girl shows up to small group on the night that they're discussing this and they say, hey, we sold our stuff and we bought you something. And you're thinking, oh, they bought her a bus card. They bought her a car. 19, 20-year-old college students, here's the car. Now again, that's not something I read in a book. I saw it happen. I know their names. They took the word of God for what it is, the word of God. Where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Are you accidentally wrapping your heart around meaningless, trivial stuff that's gonna perish and it's gonna waste away or get stolen or fall apart or get eaten by moths? Or are we, am I, this is a challenge to me, Are we intentionally, generously, sacrificially leveraging the treasures that we've been given in such a way as to wrap our hearts around eternal things that are of significance? Jesus says our heart goes where our money goes. So be radically generous by giving your money away to things that have eternal consequence. If you want to cultivate a heart like Jesus, be generous with what you have. Doing that is a practice that helps. He attaches it to this principle. And to one other really super practical aspect of life. So the first point was live generously. The second one is this that he talks about. Let me just hit it really quickly. Don't worry. Now that one's, how's that going for everybody? Everybody doing good on that one? Like, I'm just walking around with no anxiety. Don't worry. All right, let's finish up with just these these verses here. Again, working backwards. Luke 12, 27 through 32. Consider how the lilies grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after such things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. This whole teaching that Jesus is doing is camped in a teaching about worry. What? What? Because money is a heart issue. Jesus is preaching radical generosity with our money as the antidote to worry in our hearts. In other words, working backwards, Jesus is saying, you want to know why you're not generous? You're worried. You're scared. 
We often give our money towards things that are about our self-preservation, towards our own comfort, towards our own luxuries, because our heart is afraid and it's selfish and it doesn't trust God. The God who he's going to take care of. You're in a kingdom and he's the king. Listen, the opposite of living generously is not stinginess. It's fear. Verse 32, let me read that one one more time. It says, do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Do not be afraid. And again, here in America, specifically here in Alpharetta, Almost no one starves. I'm not saying that 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 doesn't exist, but almost no one's starving to death. And so many of us say here, wow, this doesn't apply to me. It does. Jesus is staring at our hearts going, don't you trust me? So So go give something away and watch God build your trust in him. Listen, do you not see how he's got this whole thing like rigged? Like that, the more I read through this thing and study the word, I'm like, he's rigged it all. He's just trying to get you, all, get you to a place where your heart trusts him more than you lean into your worry and your anxiety. I think we know right now, worry and anxiety is at an all-time high. You can talk to any counselor. You can talk to any psychologist. That's what they're going to tell you right now. Believe me, I reached out to my counselor to try to get an appointment. I couldn't get one. I'm serious. Couldn't even get one. He's like, I see about four months. Four months? I got a problem right now. (laughs) I need you. You know why? Because everybody's dealing with worry and anxiety. So what I'm saying is there's this practice in the Bible that is like, so quit trying to hold everything. Quit holding it all. Actually, just do this and then watch the worry and anxiety Go away. I'm not saying it's like magical and it'll just, no. But it's called cultivation. By the way, again, as I said earlier, that word cultivate is to toil, to take care of. It's also where we get the idea of to worship. So when Joey and Zach and Kelsey are up here leading us, we're worshiping the, we're worshiping the God of all creation, but at the same time, do you know what he's doing? Because he's rigged it. He's cultivating your heart. Because you think every time I walk in, every time you walk in, you're like, man, I just can't wait to sing. No. You're in the first service. Zach's up here leaning. I'm like, that dude's good. I like this. He's awesome. And I don't want to sing. But I need to because in that, God cultivates my heart. I don't want to read my Bible. But when I do, even when it feels dry, The ground is hard in that God is putting in the teeth and he is working and cultivating you. When your heart is worrying, you're going, I just don't know how financially we're going to do this. Quit gripping it all and open your hands and watch God cultivate in you a heart of trust that gives towards things that are eternal. And then he will blow your mind with what he'll do. And out of that, I don't mean like prosperity gospel. Not like, well, Jesus rode into town on a new donkey. You too can have a new Mercedes. That's not my point. That's, we're not that church. But, I don't know where that came from. But, it was a new donkey. 
You know that. But he really does have the whole world in his hands and he will take care of you. Jesus says that where our treasure is, our heart goes there as well. So I'm just saying, look at your budget. Sacrificially give things away. If you care about the church, your heart's part of these people and this family together, we should be giving here. And not, again, not just like, ah, $100 tip. Like, nope. We should look and make an intentional decision and put it in the budget from the very beginning. Not because the church needs it, but because God desires our hearts. Like when you think about Abraham and Isaac, like he tells Abraham, sacrifice your son for me. Was God interested in him sacrificing his son at all? No. He just wanted what? Abraham's what? Heart. He's not interested in your money. He's interested in your heart. So here's what cultivating does. It eventually gets at the heart stuff. And at the end of the day, God cares deeply about you. He's not mad. He's not mad if your budget's all messed up. He's got grace for you. He's got kindness for you. And he's like, hey, I can remove that worry. I can remove, let me work on you. So I don't know what it looks like for you, but I would say this, open up your budget. Ask God to lead you. If you're married, make sure you're both on the same page. All right. I taught this in the first service and somebody came to me after and was like, my wife just showed me a new house. I don't think she listened to you. (laughs) Speaking of houses, why do you have your house? What's the point? Is it a place of just personal refuge? Or is it a place to live generously? I love it. There's a couple in our church right now. Somebody else was having some tough times, difficult times, and they needed a place to live. So guess what they did? Come live with us. Look at all your stuff, examine it, and ask God, what are you trying to tell me about my heart, Lord? And I think some cool stuff can happen for us as a family together. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word and your truth. We thank you that it's your kindness that leads us to repentance. It's your kindness. You're not mad. You love us. All of your wrath was poured out on the cross. And so, God, it's your grace that you stop us in our tracks when maybe we're kind of heading the wrong direction. And so we're grateful for that. God, we thank you that you are constant, that what you taught your disciples on the road in Luke chapter 12 is so true and so constant and so real today. You're the same. You're never changing. And so, God, we can trust you. We can walk without worry. We can walk generously. Because, Lord, we know you are about our hearts, and we want our hearts to be about the things you're about. So help us. We love you, Jesus. We're grateful for you. In your name we pray. Amen.